uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. March Madness is upon us, Colby. It is shaping up to be a special march for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. We have a lot to get to today. Yeah, I mean, it's March 12th, and it's kind of already a special march. Carson, things are going pretty well. Oklahoma State's on a roll. The couple Bedlam wins. You've beaten West Virginia twice in a row now. And now you get to play what I think is the best team in the country tonight in the Big 12 tournament. This is about as good as it gets. Absolutely. Uh, before we break down that game, the, the win over West Virginia for the second time in a week, we got to get to Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And I think everyone noticed Mike Boynton rocking the uh, the Pistol Pete mask during the game against West Virginia. You can go pick one of those up at Chris's if you want to show your school spirit, and I know you do. So go to chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate them sponsoring the pod as always. All right, Colby, West Virginia rematch. Always tough to play a team five days later, and uh, it was just a, a great basketball game. I believe uh, six ties 11 lead changes just back and forth back and forth OSU trailed at the halftime but once again Colby this team just proves to be so resilient they turn it over a ton they miss free throws a ton but it doesn't seem to matter because they're resilient and they just know how to win in crunch time what a game it was yeah it's like they continue to find ways to overcome their own mistakes you know, 20 turnovers in that game yesterday, 12 of 20 from the free throw line. That's good for 60%. They shot 31% from three. It seems like there'd be a lot of things that just weren't going their way when you look at that. But they out-rebounded West Virginia by 13. Part of that's probably, I mean, Culver was sick, but he still played 30 minutes. Also, Boyan only played eight minutes. He got himself into some pretty significant foul trouble. But what I noticed about this game is it was the same West Virginia team that we saw Saturday, but it was a different Oklahoma State team, a very very different Oklahoma State team. Cade Cunningham played 39 minutes, so there should go any concerns about the ankle. Ice likely played 26 minutes, so uh, it appears both of those guys are back to, to nearly full health. And one thing that I thought was interesting, Carson, and I don't know how much of this you paid attention to, but I was kind of watching the minutes split, and uh, with Cade and Ice coming back, Keelan Boone still got himself 13 minutes. Rondell Walker only played nine minutes in that game yesterday, which was even less than Bernard Kuma, who racked up 10 minutes uh, and was very productive in his 10 minutes. And I thought it had a really good game, really solid game and something that Oklahoma State needed. So it's kind of interesting to see the way uh, the minutes played out yesterday. Now that Keelan's playing better basketball, it seems like he's going to get some more opportunities. Yeah, I think that's certainly encouraging, especially when, you know, Matthew Alexander Moncrief gets – Two of the quickest fouls you will ever see only plays six minutes in the entire game due to some of the officiating woes. He only ended up with three fouls, but guy, he got two in the first two minutes of the game. It felt like so before early in the season, Colby, when something like that happens, it's like DEFCON one for OSU because Keelan Boone was not in the rotation, didn't hardly play. But now you, you can throw Keelan Boone out there for 13 minutes and Kuma, who you mentioned, Big Burn, who we'll get to with some of our Twitter questions. He was sensational. He got to go to the whiteboard uh, after the game and write up the, the win total, did Kuma. And he's he's really given them a lift inside when they've needed to have it to, to spell Caleb Boone. He's, he was great. So, no, you're right. I, I think he has dialed back Rondell Walker's minutes. He's kind of been in sort of a mini slump. I don't think they're done playing him by any means. There's certain games he'll, he'll certainly bring the energy off the bench. But uh, I think this is a case, Colby, where, where Boynton really shows he's – he's flexible. He adapts to his lineups and he's not afraid to try some things. And that, that obviously was encouraging. Now 
I mentioned the turnovers, Colby. This is just kind of who they are. 20 turnovers again. They had 15 through 25 minutes of the game. So they, they really cut it down. There, it's no coincidence, Colby, when they go on that 21 to three run to take a 10 point lead, that was the largest spell of the game without turnovers. And we've seen that time and time again. When they make these runs in the second half, they really cut out just the giveaways that, you know, Cade certainly had his share. He had six. But that, to me, Colby, it's amazing they keep winning these games with 20 turnovers, shooting 60% from the free throw line. If they just shoot average from the free throw line and get it down to like 10 to 15 turnovers, I think that's why a lot of people kind of look at this team and say this team can make a run in March to the Final Four. Yeah, and, you know, I look at Cade Cunningham and Avery Anderson. Those two combined played 76 minutes in that game yesterday they turned it over 10 times if you could get that number even down from 10 to even six or seven you, you know because those are your two primary ball handlers it's unrealistic to expect them to not turn it over when they're playing nearly 40 minutes but still six for Cade four for Avery that's a little too much four for Cade and two for Avery and I think we feel a lot better about them taking care of the ball yesterday it's really been the only uh the only concern for Cade this year has been some of the turnovers. It's the only area that I've found where I can really nitpick and say, okay, sometimes he tries to do a little too much with his passing. I I've noticed, especially whenever he's still in the backcourt and he tries to throw it ahead into the front court, 30 or 40 feet. A lot of times those passes get intercepted. So I don't know if maybe whenever he's trying to throw those longer passes, he he's not seeing the floor as well. And then because he has a seven foot two wingspan, what happens? He's got a high dribble. I mean, that ball, it, it takes a long time for it to get from his hand to the floor and back up to his hand. And sometimes whenever he gets to spinning at the elbow and doing stuff like that, if, if an off-ball defender comes over, it gets pretty easy for them to poke that away. So I, I think, look, he knows that he needs to do a better job taking care of the ball. And I hope that he does because I really think that this is a team, Carson, that's capable of making a run to the Final Four. But I also think that they're going to have to play a little cleaner brand of basketball if they're going to get there because you don't get to the final four uh by beating average basketball teams you get to the final four by beating a couple of the best teams in the country and i don't know if you do that with 20 turnovers so that's my one concern right now uh but i think aside from that th things went pretty well yesterday also I, I would caution people not to freak out too much about yesterday's free throw shooting in particular uh you know Isaac likely took 25% of your team's free throws. That's going to hurt your team percentage. He's not a good free throw shooter. Keelan missed one. Caleb missed one. Avery and Cade only combined to shoot nine free throws yesterday. Carson, that's, that's not going to do it. Uh, I think Avery and Cade, I think the number that we need to set between those two at the free throw line is 15 attempts. If those two can get to 15 attempts combined in a game, that's going to significantly raise Oklahoma State's free throw, sh free throw shooting percentage as a team. Yep, I'm with you, and that's a, that's a great breakdown of of what they need to do. And and again, I, I'm I'm right there with you with Cade. It just he tries to make some of these outrageous passes that he is totally capable of. I understand why. It's just now teams are just throwing double teams at him with reckless abandon. I think he gets a little bit in trouble trying to make the hero pass while he's getting doubled. And you certainly understand why he is turning it over. He had a game high, you know, six turnovers, but he has to. I think he clearly cut that down in the second half and it's no coincidence. That's why they cut them down. Now with that said, with all the double teams he's dealing with, obviously this frees up Avery Anderson, who's averaging 24 points per game over his last two. And Mike Boynton had a great quote that their third best defender, I don't think is good enough to stop Avery. 
And I know Avery doesn't think they're good enough to stop him because he doesn't think the best defender is good enough to stop him. I love that quote. And to me, Colby, I think this is a huge, huge factor for this team the rest of the way. I think you can even play the offense through Avery Anderson in terms of not make Kate a decoy by any means. Obviously, he's still going to be a focal point but not try to force it through Cade and force it through double teams. He clearly hasn't handled that very well at this point. I almost want to bring it up, bring the ball up with Avery and let him just go to work and then, you know, make Cade more of a catch, a catch and release shooter as well. So I think Mike knows this. I think obviously this is why Avery has just exploded as teams have focused so much on Cade. It's given him real opportunities. Don't you think Avery is kind of the man from at least moving forward in the big 12 tournament in terms of, everyone's throwing everything they have at K. This is the only way you're going to start freeing him up a little bit more. Yeah. And you know, Avery's proven that he can handle that and he's done a good job. He did a good job again yesterday he had what two points in the first half. And then he kind of exploded for 15 in the second half and Oklahoma state needed him. He was a big part of that run that they put together. Uh, so, so yeah, I think that whenever K starts to see just these ridiculous uh, defensive traps and these things that they're doing, there were a couple times yesterday. I know one of Avery's assists was, was on a three to Bryce Williams in the corner I mean, Kate came off a screen like 35 feet from the basket. And West Virginia doubled hard. And he just threw it over the top to Avery. Avery kicked it out to Bryce. Bryce hit the three in the corner. And those are some of the things that you can do whenever a team gets a little overzealous in trying to get the ball out of Cade's hands. Early in the season, I think when teams took the ball out of Cade's hands in, in, and then it got kind of scattered for Oklahoma State and it was very much just kind of hectic and try to figure out who's going to get the ball and how do we get it back to Cade. Well, well now I feel like the focus is not, okay, they, they forced us to get the ball out of Cade's hands. How do we get it back to him? I think the focus now is okay they've forced the ball out of Cade's hands and now we've got numbers let's go make a play and I feel like Avery has been the one spearheading that so uh, I love what he's brought and again like you said if a team really wants to take the ball out of Cade's hands Avery's fully capable of running this offense he really is and you mentioned how different this OSU team is Colby I think the biggest difference we saw in this West Virginia game and probably moving forward is the fact that Isaac likely was on the floor and boy, was he huge in the latter stages of this game. Obviously, he locked up Sherman on what would have been the game-tying three-point attempt. He blocked it and it just sent West Virginia in total disarray. They weren't able to get a shot off and ultimately won the game. But it's, it's remarkable, Colby, they've gone on this run without Isaac because he, you know, he had 10 points, seven rebounds, three assists. He's obviously their most experienced player on the entire roster. And just having him, it just makes you realize just how good this team is from top to bottom, considering they won all these games without him. I thought he was sensational. Mike Boynton said so afterwards, and it's great to see Isaac back in the lineup. Yeah, he was sensational, and he made the play of the game, which was the block three-pointer on, uh, I believe it was Tash Sherman at the end of the game. Tash Sherman really thought there for a second that he was going to go full Clay Thompson and just sink <laughs> Oklahoma State in the second half. He got white hot there for a stretch. Uh, he ended up, yeah, he ended up with 19 on 5 of 10 from three, and I think four of those were in the last six minutes. So he was crazy hot at the end, and Ice likely gets the block on the three. It, it really was textbook execution defensively for Oklahoma State. You know they're going to take a three. You defend close without fouling, get the block. They get the rebound. What does Bryce do? Bryce comes out, and he's trailing. He's kind of behind and off to the side because they almost had a steal. So all he does is jumps up and puts his hand in front of the ball. He forced McNeil to pump fake. McNeil didn't pump fake because he, he you know, thought it would get him into the rhythm of his shot. 
if he would have shot initially with time on the clock, it would have been blocked by Bryce Williams. And then by the time he was able to get it off, time expired. And of course, he made the shot about half a second too late. That would have been stressful to have to watch another overtime game. Also, Oklahoma State just from a, a, a energy and just their leg standpoint, did not need another overtime game. So that last possession was phenomenal, phenomenal defense by Isaac Likely and Bryce Williams. Really was. And to your point about the the rest, I mean, Cade played 39, Avery Anderson played 37. Nobody else played 30 minutes. Likely played 26, uh, Caleb Boone 27, uh, Bryce Williams 29. So they, not every starter played 30 minutes or, or more, which I would be concerned about, you know, playing back-to-back days. And obviously they didn't play in the first round, which is, you know, I don't think any teams made it from the first round all the way to the championship game and, and won the tournament because it's just, it's too much of a grind. So at least Baylor had to play. They had a Baylor had a somewhat a tough game against Kansas State. And I want to get into the Baylor game too, but just any lingering thoughts from this game against West Virginia? I thought it was a great game. I thought, you know, <laughs> Bob Huggins is hilarious to watch. I love that there's no fans now. We can kind of hear him. Apparently, people that were at the game were saying they could hear him just dog cussing everybody. Uh, so that was a that was interesting to watch. And also, you know, Culver was was clearly not himself. He went to the locker room multiple times. So while OSU was reinforced with likely, they were they were pretty much down Culver. He played 30 minutes, but he clearly was was not himself. So that's kind of the attrition you see in March and. Again, Colby, I, I can't speak highly enough about the run they're on with, with Mike Boynton. And I think you just watch the broadcast, Colby, and Brand's raving about him. Bob Wischusen's raving about him. He is going to be the hot name, especially if this team makes a run in the, in the big dance. And yeah. I, I, it's kind of like what we talked about last, last pod. Like, Chad Weiber's going to have to open the checkbook to keep him because he's the lowest paid in the Big 12. And, and obviously, uh, the rumors are that South Carolina is going to get rid of Frank Martin. That's where Mike Boynton played college basketball. Obviously, he loves Stillwater. That's well reported. I don't know how strong his ties are to South Carolina anymore since the coach that recruited him is no longer there. But that's a job that's going to come open, and certainly many more will, will come open, and, and Boynton's a hot name. Yeah, you always worry about an alma mater, and he is going to be the bell of the ball this offseason. If Oklahoma State does make a run in the tourney and you see Mike Boynton and that energy that he brings on the sideline and all that, that's only going to further up his stock. So, I look, I, I think that he likes being in Stillwater, but you can never be 100% sure a guy's going to stick around. Uh, I think the Brad Underwood scenario scarred OSU fans a little bit, kind of seemed like, oh, we got something going. Oh, you're, you're leaving. Okay, well, let's start over. And then, so Oklahoma State did start over with Mike Boynton, and now they've really got something going. So I, I don't know what it's going to take to keep Boynton, uh, but I hope that they do it. It's just it has to be the number one priority right now for, for Chad Weiberg. And, and, you know, you come in, and you, your first thing you have to do You've got the hottest basketball coach in the entire country and you've got to lock him up. So good luck, have fun and get it done. Yeah. And I, I do think, you know, Mike has spoken about this. He was asked about his connection with Mike Holder since he was stepping down. And he, he talked a lot about the transition to Chad Weiberg that obviously that was in the works. And he, he did speak a lot about the loyalty he has to OSU and, and Mike Holder and the university because he said, you know, no one knew who I was. Like I wasn't on any list. You could have made a list of a 200 coaches and I wouldn't have been on it. And so I do think part of him feels indebted to the opportunity he was presented at Oklahoma State. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Colby, you have to do what's best for you and your family. And if some other school's offering you four and a half million dollars or four million dollars or even three, and you're making one, 
that's a decision you have to think about. That's a decision you have to reckon with. And I do wonder, uh, Mark Rogers made this point on Sports Animal this week. I totally agree. I wonder how much, how much more appealing it would be to go coach against the coaches in the SEC than the coaches you have to face here in the Big 12. I mean, it's a gauntlet. You got Hall of Fame coaches up and down the, up and down the entire league. And it's, it's tough, but, I, but I'm with you. I think he really has established a connection to Stillwater. I think his family loves it. I think he's had to move around a lot in his coaching career. And that's hard on a young family. His kids are getting older and they're, they're going to school. And I think, I don't think he's just going to bounce at the first offer for more money, but you certainly better take care of him or he's going to think about it. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Does South Carolina, I don't know enough about South Carolina. Do they care about basketball? No. I mean, that's an honest question. I didn't feel like they did. I, I don't know. South Carolina doesn't, I know he played there. It doesn't put the, the fear of God into me that he goes to South Carolina. Now, I'd be scared that he'd go take a big job somewhere. Like if a big job comes open, that would scare me. I, I'm not real scared of South Carolina. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Maybe maybe four months from now he takes that job and I look like an idiot. But I, I don't think that he's going to leave the current situation that he's built to, to go to South Carolina to a place. You know, that's where he played. But it's not a basketball school. It's not a big-time job. It's not a better job than Oklahoma State. So I, I don't think he's going to leave. I, I do think Oklahoma State will take care of him and make sure that he's happy and sticks around. Well, there is, there is precedence to this. I mean, Frank Martin was hired away from Kansas State to go coach South Carolina. He didn't have any really tie, any ties there. Yeah. Uh, he got paid $2 million right off the bat, a step up from his salary of $1.4. So he went from $1.4 to $1.9. That was a very – it's a raise, but it wasn't just a massive raise. And I, I think, I think Martin had more problems with Kansas State's athletic director at the time. Yeah, I Kansas think I, State did a much worse job and basketball program than Oklahoma State too. Sure, but they did give him a, a shot at the job, just kind of like Mike Boyden because he was an assistant. Bob Huggins left Kansas State, and they promoted him, much like Brad Underwood leaving. And I think to make the comparison even more apt, I think Huggins was there what one year, just kind of like Brad Underwood. So yeah. I, I think he was just there one year. I'd have to look that up, but I do think there's comparisons there, but again, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I just, the fact is if you open the checkbook and you, you present it to Mike Boynton, he's going to have to listen regardless of his loyalty to Oklahoma state and the fact that they gave him the job. So that's something to monitor. Obviously we got a long way to go till then we got the semifinal against Baylor, which obviously is a massive matchup Colby. And I'm curious We've talked a lot about how different this OSU team is now that Likely's back, Cade's back to full strength. The first time they played Baylor, they didn't have Cade or Rondell Walker, and they led at halftime. Obviously, they weren't full strength when they played Baylor without Likely most recently. But we all know what Baylor is. They're one of the best teams in the country. And for me, Colby, just you have to guard the three-point line better. And I know they're a great three-point shooting team. We all understand that. Uh, yes, Huggins was only at Kansas State for one year, by the way. So that's a pretty good comparison. But in terms of Baylor, Colby, you have to guard the three-point line better. Because I thought a lot of their their makes and looks were not very contested by OSU. So that's something I'm looking at in, in this matchup. But this is what you want, Colby. You, you win this game, make it to the championship game. I think they have absolutely solidified themselves as a three-seed, maybe higher if they if they get a win in the, in the championship game. But I, th I think they're improving their seed just by this win against Baylor if they get it. 
Oh, yeah, they definitely would be. I, I just looked at Lunardi's uh, bracketology, and he currently has Oklahoma State slotted in as a three seed, but he has them as the number 12 overall seed in the tournament, which, of course, is the final three seed. So if they lose, that could drop them down to a four. I don't see any scenario where they drop down to a five, uh, especially since he still has West Virginia on the four line. They're not going to drop down below West Virginia after just beating them twice in a week. So uh, you, you win. I think that that could bump you all the way up to a two. Now, you'd have to be overtaking a team like Houston or Ohio State at that point, but I think uh, that that's totally feasible. As far as defending the three for Baylor goes, it's – I agree. I would love to uh, I would love to defend the three better against Baylor. Of guys on their team who play at least double-digit minutes per game, average at least double-digit minutes per game, they've got six guys shooting at least 41% from three. They've also got Mikio T, who averages 31 minutes a game. He shoots 39% from three. He's their worst three-point shooter, Carson. He's their worst three-point shooter of the guys who shoot it at 39%. It's just it's amazing what Scott Drew has been able to do just – basically filling the floor with guys who can absolutely light it up and are just sharpshooters. Davion Mitchell is 47% from three. Jared Butler, he's 44% from three. I mean, these guys light it up from beyond the arc. I, I think, look, I, I don't know what the exact strategy is to beat Baylor. It's only been done once, and you could make an argument that that's just only because they were coming off like a 23-day COVID break. Carson, I think Baylor's the best team in the country. I, I don't see Baylor losing again this year. That's just my honest opinion. You think they're better than Gonzaga? Yes, I think they're better than Gonzaga. I I think Baylor's going to win the national championship. That's who I'm picking in my bracket next week. Spoiler alert. I mean, I've, I've been saying it all year. I think they're the best team in the country. I just – you can stay with them for so long, and then at some point they're going to go on a barrage where they're going to hit four threes in five possessions and just absolutely sink you. So I just – I don't think Baylor's going to be beaten again this year. Well, I certainly am picking them to get to the championship game. I think just look back to the year Texas Tech made it to the championship game. They were they were the best team in the Big 12 that year. And to your point, Baylor is the number one team, obviously, this year in the Big 12. And I, I'm with you. I think they're they're built for March. They're it just all those percentages you reference, it doesn't seem like they're going to have a game where they don't shoot at a good clip from three, considering all the percentages of every guy, virtually every guy on the entire roster. So I'm with you. It'll, it'll take an off night for OSU to beat them. But I do think this is a vastly different OSU team that they've seen, obviously with likely coming back full strength, Kate Cunningham, who they didn't get to play against in the first meeting. I'm curious to see, I think this will be a great litmus test for Oklahoma state now that they're full strength. Cause we haven't seen that yet this season. How do you think that changes the, the dynamic of this game? And I think they're certainly facing a different Avery Anderson just in the last week or two. He has just turned into a completely different player. Yeah, look, I, I do think Oklahoma State will give them a run for their money tonight. I'm trying to see what the line on this game is. Baylor's a nine-point favorite uh, by 11. What was that, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, something like that? Um, beat them by 11 here pretty recently. So I and that was a backdoor cover, by the way. It was like a four-point game late until Cade rolled his ankle. Okay. Oklahoma State still did end up covering because they were 12-point dogs in that oh, game. Okay. So, uh, still got the cover there. Uh, nine feels about right. I mean, I could see this being like an 80-73 to 73 game or like an 80-70 to 70 game somewhere in that neighborhood. It, it just, again, it feels like the type of game. I do think Oklahoma State's going to stick with them for a long time. But, you know, we've seen Oklahoma State go two, three minutes without scoring and turn the ball over a few possessions in a row. And you do that. Baylor hits a few threes. I mean, their team – three-point percentage is 42.8. That's what they shoot it as a team, 42.8.
So wow. I, I don't know. I just I think you can only withstand that for so long. Um, I do think Oklahoma State gives them a run for their money, but I, I think in the end, Baylor wins it. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I do think this is a big opportunity for, for Caleb Boone. He has he had a great game against Baylor the first meeting in Stillwater, but he was virtually shut down against Baylor, against you know the, the defensive player of the year in the conference. So I do think that obviously Likely and Kate are going to be a different factor for this, this game, but I, I just don't think Boone gets the ball enough. Do you? He only had six shots last game out. I just his post moves to me are are so underrated. He's a really good scorer. I think when they go on these spells of of droughts, I tend to think they forget about Caleb Boone. And I'd like to see them go to him a little bit more, especially early. That's that's really what hurt Baylor early on in the first meeting. I think Boone scored what ten points. I think six of that was in the first five six minutes of the games on pick and rolls. So for me, I'm I'm circling Caleb Boone in the, in the pregame talk if I'm if I'm Mike Boyne, go get some easy buckets early to free up Avery and Cade. Yeah, Boone against Culver, I kind of understand him not getting as many looks and not being quite as efficient. He still had ten rebounds uh, in the game, so he was good on the glass, helped Oklahoma State there. But I think against Baylor he'll have to be uh, more of an offensive punch for Oklahoma State because you're going to need some easy buckets inside where Cade and Avery, because, you know, the thing is, Cade and Avery are both going to play more than 35 minutes. That's fine, but sometimes they just need to be able to stand there while Caleb Boone posts up and goes to work and goes and gets you an easy two. It's kind of that on-court resting that you hear people talk about from time to time. You know, get it down the floor, bounce pass underneath to Caleb Boone 10 feet, let him take two dribbles, turn around, shoot. That way you don't have to expend a lot of energy. That possession, you can save it for late in the game whenever you maybe need one of those guys or both of those guys to take over. So uh, I agree. I'll be looking for more from Caleb Boone tonight. And how many minutes did he play against West Virginia? 27? 27. Probably about right. Uh, Moncrief foul trouble early. Kuma's giving you some good minutes. Keelan has been playing better. So, um, yeah, I think that's about right. Somewhere between 25 and 30 minutes for Caleb. But I would definitely like to see him in double-figure scoring tonight. Nine point line seems high to me. That's just that's kind of how I feel about this game. I think it's going to come down to the three or four point game late again, and I just I don't know. If, I mean, the only way I could see Baylor winning this by nine is if the free throws the last two three trips down the floor kind of put them over the edge. I I I kind of expect OSU to to give them a real run for their money, maybe even win the game. That's kind of how I feel. I don't think Baylor has seen exactly what OSU is, which helps. And I think, you know, Baylor, obviously, they finally lost to Kansas. Kansas certainly has played well. But I, I, I think at this point, OSU is a better team than Kansas. That's kind of how I feel about it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just riding the, the March Madness wave here, Colby, and I'm getting optimistic. I don't know. That's kind of how I see it. Uh, yeah. I know Man, you picked I'm, them not to lose again. I'm, I, know you, I know who you're picking, but am yeah, I being I'm, too optimistic I, here? I don't think you are. I mean, look, I could see Oklahoma State doing some good things, and obviously Oklahoma State's going to have the best player on the floor, uh, regardless of what Baylor fans said on Twitter whenever the Big 12 Player of the Year was announced. Um, I just don't I don't see it. I, I think nine feels about right. I, I think this is going to be a game that's close for 25, maybe even 30 minutes, and then Baylor extends it and hovers between a 7- and 11-point lead down the stretch. Um, now, look. Again, I've said this before. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, and, and this, to me, is not even an indictment of Oklahoma State. That's just how high I am on Baylor. I, I've said it all year. I think they're the best team in the country. I think they're going to win the national championship. So I, I'll say, you know, even if Oklahoma State doesn't cover, let's say Baylor wins by 13, 14. 
to me, that's no cause for concern whatsoever. None, not even a little bit. You get, you know, more time off, rest your legs, get ready for next week. Maybe you can even get a Friday game next week. If you're lucky, you go Friday, Sunday, get that extra day to rest. But um, I, I, I will have no concerns for Oklahoma State if they lose this game, and it's all great if they win it. You're, you're kind of playing with house money. I saw some people yesterday, I don't know if they were replying to our tweet or what, saying that they hope Kansas State beats Baylor so Oklahoma State can get the win. I, I totally disagreed with that. I was definitely wanting Baylor to beat Kansas State. Beating Kansas State does, does nothing for you if you're Oklahoma State. I mean, it advances you one stage further. You get a better chance to win the conference tournament. But winning the conference tournament's not your goal. It's the conference tournament. It's not your goal. So I would rather play Baylor. Gives you a measuring stick for what I think is the best team in the country. Um, if you win, it gives you a huge boost, probably all the way up from the last three seed to a two seed. So it's a much bigger boost than if you were to beat Kansas State. Uh, also, if you lose, you get a couple more days. So I'm glad it's Baylor. I'm glad Oklahoma State gets a chance again to uh, measure themselves up against one of, if not the best team in college basketball. Absolutely. Nobody remembers who won the Big 12 tournament anyway. I know it's great to win, especially if you won the league to like get the double the double trophies to say you were absolutely the best team by far. That was great when the, the, the 04 Final Four team did that too. Um, but no, I'm, I'm with you. It's a great opportunity. Even if you lose this game, you are playing with, with house money. Everything from here is gravy and uh you get to kick back on on selection sunday for sure so let's get to buckets and bricks colby before we get to some twitter questions i did fire out uh, a questionnaire for some from, for some twitter questions we got a bunch so let's go to buckets and bricks what do you got yeah buckets and bricks i'm gonna give my bucket to the defense on that last possession 16 seconds oklahoma state had to defend west virginia with a few guys out there who can really shoot it and in 16 seconds west virginia only got one shot up they got an offensive rebound, couldn't even get a second shot up because Oklahoma State stifled them. Avery Anderson almost had the steal on the pass that went out to McNeil, and then Bryce Williams was right there to jump up over the top of him. And again, Bryce Williams' athleticism coming in so handily because he just soared up over the top of McNeil and just put that big hand right in front of the ball. He couldn't get the shot off. So my bucket goes to the defense on that last possession uh, because if they don't want West Virginia up as well as they did, we could be having a different conversation today looking at a, a four seed or something like that. So uh, great defense to close out what was a good game Bryce the glides what I'm calling him he just glides he doesn't jump he just kind of floats to the rim he floated on that on that block attempt as well he's been he's been so fun to watch this year I know he's kind of struggling a little bit offensively but he made a key key defensive play there I'll stick with that theme I'll go with Isaac Likely again this guy's been through the ringer he had a foot injury had another injury to deal with with his hand or wrist area and I know that has to be crushing because he, you know, he tested the NBA waters and wanted to play with, with Cade Cunningham came back and he's missed a ton of time that there's nothing more frustrating than not being able to play. If you've played any sports, you, you realize that. So he, he's by at his time. He played awesome. And Mike Boynton singled him out as one of the reasons they won. Boynton said, you know, their defense you referenced saved their bacon. So I'll, I'll go with Isaac likely. Yeah. I like that one. That's a good one. Uh, Brick. I don't even know who to, to give my, my brick too. Um, I, I'll give it to the turnovers. Take care of the ball better. Uh, Caleb had three turnovers. Kate had six. Avery had four. Keelan and Ice each had a couple. Uh, several guys that each had one. Just take better care of the ball as a team. You, you can't have stretches where you're turning the ball over what seems like every possession. Uh, not against a team like Baylor. Uh, I mean, what's a, a good number tonight against a team like Baylor? If they're actually going to win, like you say they could, what's a good number? Somewhere in the 12 to 14 range? I'd live with 15 at this point, but yeah, anything 10, 11, you're, you're really, you're really got a chance to win, but I, I would settle for 15 at this point. Yeah. It's one of those things where I look at Oklahoma state and I'm like, gosh, if this team could just clean it up, they could be one of the three or four best teams in the country. And then I look at it and I'm like, well, 
the reason that they're not one of the three or four best teams in the country is because they can't quite clean it up. I think they're 319th in division one in turnovers. So that to me, that's the one thing that's holding them back from being great, really good right now, really good. The one thing that's holding them back from being great is the turnovers. So the turnovers get my brick. Yeah. Boynton said, just let's really concentrate on cutting it down by five. Like that's all I'm asking. <laughs> get it down from 20 to 15. So I, I think, I think that's a good number as well. And, some of the reason they had 20 turnovers is my brick, Colby. Do we do we understand what a what a block call is anymore? Or they just the Big 12 officials just call charge no matter what? Just they like to point the other way. If if you hit the ground, Colby, I'm I think 100 percent of the time you're just gonna get a charge call because the number of charges OSU was called with in the first half of this game was simply outrageous. And again, I, I got all these tweets. I've got all these people who know basketball, who officiate and say their feet don't have to be set. Their feet don't have to be set. Oh my gosh, you don't even know the rule, dude. That's, that's a, that one they called on Avery Anderson was absolutely comical. I mean, the guy barely, the guy is running backwards, completely steps into where Anderson had already established his position going to the rim. That's a, that's a block every single day and twice on Sunday. And just the Big 12 officials, just they have no rhyme or reason. Some of those were just. Obviously, OSU was being aggressive going to the rim. Some of those were charges. I understand that. But some of them were just absolutely laughable. Anytime West Virginia hit the floor, it was a charge no matter what happened. And they were really stepping in absolutely at the last second under the rim getting these charge calls. It was, it was so frustrating to watch. And that's a big reason they had 20 turnovers. That counts yeah. the turnover. The charges. And, you know, you even watched some other Big 12 games. And it seems like – it seems like we're just seeing charges called more than we've ever seen charges called. You, usually they are 50-50 calls, but I would say even usually they don't go 50-50. Usually they tilt a little more toward blocking because if you want to draw a charge, you have to – I mean, it has to be obvious. Now, a couple of them yesterday, a couple of them probably were charges on Oklahoma State, but I don't think all of them were. And I think that the officials just need to lean toward the side of block. This is on both ends for Oklahoma State, too. I, I just think that taking a charge is, is one of the uh, weaker things that you can do as a defender in basketball. It, it's like your man got beat. And you just move over and stand there. So you automatically get a foul call on the other guy. I, I don't totally love it. Uh, not that I want to eliminate it from a game because that would totally change basketball but I think if you're going to take a charge you need to be set both I mean obviously by the rule you don't need to be set hear, hear me out you need to be in position where the offensive player is clearly running you over off of your spot that you've established as a defender if it's not that and it's not obvious it should be a block that's that's my opinion uh and that's not the way the big 12 has been officiated over the last couple of weeks so i don't know hopefully it'll be better tonight against baylor and really really hopefully it'll be better a week from now when oklahoma state's playing in indianapolis well yeah and it just seems like if it's 50 50 they go charge that's not no you, yeah. if it's 50 50 it yeah. goes to the offensive player in terms of yeah. a block like they i just charge on 50 50s and you're right it's they just love that. I think it's, I honestly think it's that hand motion. Yeah, I get to point this way, get to be all emphatic about it. Yeah, I'm doing my job. It's terrible. It's hard to watch. And it really put OSU in a bind in the first half. In addition to their normal turnovers, those were those were turnovers that, that, that should have been avoided that weren't really in their control. But I'm sure this will be my brick for the next game, the game after that, the <laughs> March Madness, the NCAA tournament. So you can probably write this one down in Sharpie. Uh, let's get to Twitter questions, Colby. You ready? Uh, yeah, let's do it. So yeah. 
we might as well start with this one from Trey. Over under on how many charges go against Oklahoma State versus Baylor. Carson, you set the line, and then I'll pick over under. Uh, the line for me is going to be five. Five. I am going to take the under five because I think that it will be a point of emphasis for Oklahoma State to avoid the charges. So I think the number is going to be if I if three, I had to, four. I, I think three. I think the number. Will I be came three. in pretty high. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma State still goes aggressively to the rim, so they'll pick up a couple, a few maybe, uh, but I don't think it'll get totally out of hand because I think that'll be a little bit of a focus for the Cowboys. I thought Boynton should have got a tech. Now, they won by three, <laughs> so maybe not, but I would have got a tech if I was Mike Boynton in the first half of that game because you could see the OSU bench. Every time they would get hammered at the rim, no call. Like, Scott Sutton was losing his mind. Mike Boynton was. All the assistants were like, what is happening here? Like, you could just see. Boynton was working on the ref that always walks by him, so – that's a good question. I, how about this one from James Ingle? I made a bet with my friend that if OSU wins the national championship, I have to get a tattoo on my butt. So given that we're winning it all, what do I get? I'm thinking go pokes, but open to suggestions. What would be your suggestion, Colby? And then I'll give you mine. Uh, you want the, uh, the family fun version or the tawdry version? Both. Uh, okay, so family fun version. I think that he should just get like a uh, – what a portrait, a, a, a whatever you want to call it, of Mike Boynton, Cade Cunningham, Avery Anderson, Bryce Ice, as many as he can fit on there, just like what a graphic would look like if they put it up on Twitter with the guys lined up and one of their cool pictures that they do. That would be the fun one to do. Uh, the tawdry one would be to tattoo Cade shooting a basketball, and then the basket is uh, where you would imagine the basket is. So that's the tawdry <laughs> one if you want to have some fun. That, those are good. Uh, I have a simple one and one that I just thought of just now that I think is the one. First one was just a hashtag let's work on the butt on yep. one side. You can pick a cheek, doesn't matter which one. But this one I just thought as you were talking of, the old school Eddie Sutton basketball practice shorts would say discipline and defense across the butt. I think you go with discipline right across both cheeks. Or if you want defense, Go there. Go that route. You pick, they're reversible shorts, so it's defense and discipline. Take your pick, but have it tattooed across the butt exactly how those practice shorts were. By the way, if Oklahoma State does win a national championship, I will probably get a tattoo myself. <laughs> I, won't let, I won't let other people pick it. I'm not that brave. Um, I do have a couple of tattoos. I have two, and I'll probably have a third if Oklahoma State wins a national championship. I but didn't only, know you, only I didn't know you had tattoos. They're on my torso. I keep them on my torso so I can cover up okay. a shirt if I want to. But, yeah, I've got a couple. Okay. okay. Well, you know if they win the national title, the NCAA is going to be, oh, wait, our ban was in was in action. We just didn't get back to you in time. Yeah, and then I'll have to get a second tattoo that says bleep the NCAA. Yeah, for sure. Let's see here. Uh, from Tyler Lowe, do we worry about South Carolina coming after Boynton? Personally, I would worry about someone bigger coming after him. We kind of talked about that, Colby. I I'm worried about everyone coming after him because, you know, he's young, he's charismatic. Every time you hear this guy talk, you just, you're, you're buying in and obviously he's getting results. He landed the number one recruit in the country. So yeah, I'm worried. Aren't you? Uh, yeah, I'm a little worried again. I'm, I'm on a scale of one to 10. I'm at about three on South Carolina. Uh, if a bigger school were to come, a, a college basketball blue blood job were to come open or something like that, uh, or some, or some school, yeah. Or some school that could pay him like $7 million or something ridiculous, which I don't think anybody's going to shell out that much. But if that does happen, that would take my worry factor up to about a seven. So I, I'm not 
crazy worried, but uh, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. It's it's one of those things. It, it's what you like to call a good problem, Carson. Having the hottest coach in the country that everyone wants to hire, it's a good problem. It'll keep you up at night thinking about who might take him away from you, but while you have him, it's going to be great. Yep, uh, I'm with you. Uh, let's, let's see. So kind of on that same uh, path there, Tyler Lowe asks, where should the new contract slot Boynton in among the Big 12 coaches? Self is one, uh, Drew is two, and Beard is three in terms of salary. Bill Self makes $7.15 million, so I certainly don't think that he's going to be getting that much. Uh, do we know how much Chris Beard makes? He makes four and a half as the third highest paid coach in the Big 12. I don't think Boynton's getting that much either. I would say slot him in at number four behind Beard, uh, and it might have to be in that $4 million range. Yeah, I mean, I. That kind of leads me to the, to the next question. Can uh, this is from uh, Brian Metcalf? How does, or this is from Ryan Steelman actually. The obvious question is how big of a bag can Weiberg actually give Boynton? Because I feel like many teams are about to be calling. So that kind of stems into this question, Colby. I don't know the financials of OSU. Obviously, they've been hurt just like everyone else due to COVID. I don't. I don't know if how much they can pay him if they can pay him $4 million. Mike Holder, or I guess Chad Weiber can maybe offer three, three and a half would be my guess. I think that's more kind of in line where they can, they can take care of him, sign him up for a longer term deal. But I just, that's the factor I don't know about just how COVID's affected all this. Yeah. And then another good question from, from Brian Metcalf that leads into the same conversation. He says, how does Weiberg handle paying both Knowles, Knowles, Jim Knowles, and Boynton in this time of budget cuts, do you back in the contracts, pay one this summer and the other next summer? Um, and it says, do we need to throw Kenny in the pay raise conversation? Kenny Gajewski, uh, softball coach. Kenny Gajewski will get a pay raise, but obviously that's just there's not as much money in softball, so that won't be as big of a hit on the budget. As far as Knowles and Boynton, look, I want both of those guys to stick around. I think most people would agree if you can only pay one, you, you pay Boynton. And I don't know how much money Knowles is wanting, how much money Knowles is going to command on the open market. But if you have to pay one, you pay Boynton. So I, I would get that taken care of first and then figure out uh, how much you pay your defensive coordinator. Totally agree. I mean, I love Kenny Gajewski. They're a top five program now in softball. I think he's paid pretty well for softball standards. Obviously, the SEC can come in and pay more because that's kind of what they do in the sport of softball. That'd be a concern. But, but men's basketball – and certainly football are really your only revenue generators. So you have to, you have to take care of the head coach in those two sports. And obviously they're taking care of Gundy for years. It's time to take care of Boynton. You cannot afford to have Gallagher Iba empty again, as it's been for the last, you know, 10 years, basically. I mean, there've been a few games where they packed it, but for the most part, it's been pretty, pretty depressing crowd wise. So I'm right there with you. Uh, from AA Ron, does this win give OSU higher than a four seed or will they have to go up? Will they have to go beat Baylor to move up? I think you and I hit on this. I think they're fringe three seed. They lock it in with the win over Baylor. Uh, if they lose to Baylor, I think they might be the number one four seed. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yep, that's the way I'm looking at what Lunardi has right now. He's got him as the uh, the number four three seed. So 12th overall seed. So if they beat Baylor, I think that potentially jumps them all the way up into the back end of the two seeds. Uh, that 215 matchup would be real nice. So with that 2-7 matchup in the second round, but even if they lose tonight, that probably slots them in uh, as a high four seed, gives you the 413, and then you play the winner of the 512 in the second round to get to the Sweet 16. So that'd be a good position for Oklahoma State to be in. Here's maybe my favorite one that we got. It's not a question. It's just a statement. Tyler Beats says, please talk a little about OU's first half performance against Kansas. Carson, I would love to. 
I would love to. 35 to 15 at halftime? They made, they made six buckets in the first half. And I, that- I, I was talking about this in previous shows, Colby. Their, their depth is not good. I, they had hardly any points. Off. I think they had like six points off the bench from the bench scorers. And they've kind of devolved into a good all-around team, kind of in the mold of some of Kelvin's early 2000s teams that didn't have a superstar, but they just guarded your face off and they had just lots of bodies. It's kind of devolved into the Austin Reeves show. And that's really hurt them the last you know month of the season. They went from seventh in the country to the seventh seed in the Big 12 tournament. And I think their depth is really where OSU exploited them. That's why I picked OSU to sweep them. And uh, those those questions linger on for OU. They're, they're trending downward big time. Yeah, and it's so weird for me with OU basketball because I, I just – I absolutely love Long Kroger. Long Kroger is one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet. And I just it, – it's weird because I'm programmed deep within myself to root against OU, and yet I really, really like Long Kroger, and I want Lawn to be successful. So it's, it's this weird balance between uh, – and this has actually been a pretty good year for it because OU has been just successful enough that I'm happy for Lawn, but not quite successful enough that I'm worried about having to read all the crap about Sooner Magic. So it's kind of been the perfect balance. Yep. We got any more? Uh, one about baseball. I do want to show the uh, the baseball fans some love if I can find the question. Oh, Matt Claxton. He says, how good is the baseball team? Top 10 matchup this weekend versus Vandy. First off, Mother Nature, if you are listening, do not cancel the Oklahoma State Vanderbilt games because we're very much looking forward to these. Uh, and, and as far as if this is a top 10 team and how good they are, I think we'll learn a lot as they start to play some better opponents like Vanderbilt, uh, like some other teams. Pretty good win over ORU, an ORU team that put 22 runs on LSU in Baton Rouge last week. So uh, I, I do think that this is a top 10 team. The pitching so far for Oklahoma State has been nasty. Just one of the lowest ERAs in the country as a pitching staff. So uh, I, I do think this is a top 10 team. I think College World Series should absolutely be the expectation. Nope, I'm with you. And we're about to find out who, how good they are. Playing, playing a team like Vanderbilt. Great series. Can't wait to see O'Brate Stadium oh, with some fans in it. Obviously, the vaccines are still rolling out. Oklahoma's doing pretty well with the vaccines compared to the rest of the country. So hopefully, sooner rather than later, we can. Yesterday. What's that? I got my first shot yesterday. It was a piece of cake. Yep, I've got mine. I'm a couple weeks away from my second. So uh, we'll hopefully be able to be in person again soon doing doing some shows for the podcast and going to games as well so colby anything else before we get out of here i don't believe so i hope i'm wrong tonight go pokes yep one interesting thing for me is osu baylor this is where you wanted to be if you'd have told me before the season started you're going to be facing the number one seed baylor in the semifinals in the big 12 tournament and you're one of the hottest teams in the country with one of the hottest coaches in the country i would have signed up for that every day and twice on sunday so i'm looking forward to it Absolutely. One interesting thing for me, Taylor Gooch, we've talked about him. He's having mm. a great year on the PGA Tour. He's tied for fifth currently at the Players' Championship. Ooh, buddy. A year that's not a major. He's four under on his round, only two back of Sergio. Uh, it'd be nice to see himself get in, to see him get himself into contention on the weekend. So, Taylor Gooch, go Pokes. Bring it home. $2.7 million uh, check he gets if he wins. Woo! So, hopefully he can win that. <laughs> and he got a kid on the way this summer, so that'd be good timing. Oh, it'd be great. All right, Colby, appreciate it. We'll get back with you next week. Absolutely. Pistols firing.